Hey, it's Brian with a quick announcement before we get started. You know, this time of year especially, we're always aware of how quickly time flies. So let me suggest to you that it's not too early to start thinking now about your Christmas shopping for 2022. And I've got the perfect recommendation for all the Christmas lovers in your life. Christmas Past The Book is coming in the fall of 2022 from Lions Press. Stay connected with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates on events, giveaways, pre-ordering, publication dates, all that stuff. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Small-town Christmases, hometown hunks, and women in their 30s who have been just too wrapped up in their careers in event planning or publishing to find true love. Without even mentioning movies or a certain cable television network, you already know where this conversation's heading. How could you not? Search for the keyword Christmas on your favorite news site starting anytime after the late summer, and no doubt the top results are about this year's lineup of made-for-TV Christmas romance movies. And every year that lineup grows and grows and grows. 2020 brought a whopping 40 new Christmas movies from one network alone, and dozens more from its closest network, cable, and streaming competitors. And most of them sticking to that timeless tale of girl meets boy, girl loses boy, and at some point, girl and boy make a gingerbread house, or decorate a tree, or have a snowball fight that has them tumbling to the ground and almost smooching before getting interrupted at the last second. But rest assured, all plot threads will be resolved and everything will culminate in a chaste kiss under a gentle snowfall right before the credits roll. Made-for-TV Christmas movies are nearly as old as TV itself, but the last two decades have introduced a dramatic change to Christmas TV entertainment and, by extension, to Christmas itself. Is all of this a fad or a trend? And if it is, have we reached the peak yet? Or are we witnessing the start of something bigger? A lasting change in the kinds of stories we most closely associate with Christmas and the ways we want them told? Cast your minds to a snowy, bucolic scene and some kind of unlikely scenario where opposites are thrown together only to find true love amidst the magic of the Christmas season as we dig into made-for-TV Christmas romances. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. It wasn't all that long ago that an average Christmas story looked very different from the ones that we're used to today. In Victorian times, Christmas ghost stories were very common. We discussed the reasons for that in a 2019 episode of this podcast. You may care to check it out. There were also stories from that time involving tragedies. Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Match Girl and Fyodor Dostoevsky's The Heavenly Christmas Tree both involve children dying, a response to the widespread poverty of the time. Not long after, stories involving grand family homecomings were popular, inspired by newfound access to long-distance travel by rail. There were romances, of course, but nowadays, the vast majority of new Christmas stories we tell, whether on the page or on screen, are romances. But why? And why now? Maybe it's because romance and Christmas seem to go together, even though anyone on the dating scene could tell you that the holiday season is probably the worst or least likely time to start a new relationship. But it goes really well with Christmas because Christmas is this season of hope. These feelings that we feel around the holiday seasons kind of goes really well with cheering on a new relationship. That's Brandon Gray, one of the hosts of the wildly popular Deck the Hallmark podcast and co-author of the new book, I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies. 
One of his co-authors, film critic Alonzo Duraldi, agrees. There is something about the Christmas season that engenders affection in general, whether it is the notion of being, of caring about your fellow man, whether it's the notion of, of a familial love and sort of rekindling those bonds at the Christmas season because you're seeing family members that you, you don't get to see the rest of the year. Christmas romances just sort of ride on the coattails of the general good feeling that people have about the season. But of course, the other reason, and maybe the real reason we think of Christmas and romance together, is because that's what sells, so it's what we see the most of. Not only that, but also because romance stories, whether on page or on screen, tend to adhere to a predictable formula. That makes it pretty easy and efficient to produce lots of them. And you needn't look far to see that everybody, including Netflix, Hulu, Lifetime, UpTV, and many other players, are angling for their piece of the market. But there is no doubt about who has established themselves as the dominant force, the Hallmark Channel. Why? If you were to ask me three years ago before I really knew the uh, the market, I would say Hallmark just does it better. But really, I don't know if it's Hallmark doing it that much better than everybody else. As much as it is, Hallmark has been doing it for so long that people associate it, you know, with they associate their movies with Christmas. That brand recognition was a long time in the making, and it took a bit of experimenting before they struck upon the winning formula. The Hallmark Channel didn't come to, into being until the year 2000, uh, when it, it took over from something called the Odyssey Network. You know, when, when the network launched, they were kind of trying a lot of different things. They did, you know, different kinds of Christmas movies, whether they were comedic or dramatic. They would do the, uh, the the national Christmas tree lighting. They would do animated specials and musical specials and a whole mix of stuff. I think what many people consider a turning point for them is a 2006 film called The Christmas Card. The Christmas Card is the story of a sergeant who goes to visit the widow of one of his soldiers who died in battle. On that trip, he meets and falls in love with a friend of the soldier who had sent him a Christmas card, which he received while on deployment. And then a few years after that, in 2014, there was a film called Christmas Under Wraps, starring Candace Cameron Bure. And at the time, that film broke ratings records for Hallmark Channel. So if you want to sort of track down the, you know, where they really kind of entered that mold of big city, hardworking woman moves to small town, learns to love Christmas, falls in love with a flannel shirt wearing hunk. This is really the movie where that all begins. By 2010, Hallmark was putting out about a dozen new Christmas movies a year, and then it was 15 and then 20. Fast forward to the year 2020 when the network released a record 40 new movies and the demand is there. They basically become one of the top cable channels for the entire year based almost entirely on the numbers that they do during the fourth quarter, which is why they start their 24-7 Christmas programming before Halloween. So despite all the competition, it's not just the Christmas romance, but the hallmark style of Christmas romance that reigns supreme. And this is something that baffles many critics and casual observers alike. They unfold like episodes of Law and Order, predictably and formulaically. You could fall asleep in the middle of one and wake up in the middle of another, no worse for wear. They're filled with ham-handed plot twists, tropes like hometown hunks, and leading characters who've lost at least one parent. Throw in some, let's say, less-than-Emmy-worthy acting and production quality, and a level of bland wholesomeness that's nearly as conspicuous as their lack of diversity. And yet... People of all ages and walks of life keep coming back for more. They provide a great deal of comfort. And, and part of 
the, the thing about them being predictable, them being, you know, you know exactly what's going to happen and all that stuff. That's part of the coziness of it all. They have been a little slow on diversity, although they are, I think, are making some strides in that direction now. But part of what makes these movies such comfort food for a, a broad audience is that, on the one hand, yes, they're very white. They're very heteronormative. There's a lot of flag waving, you know, when it's a movie about the troops. But at the same time, they really walk a fine line in terms of almost never talking about religion, never talking about politics, never excluding anybody. It is a movie of people being nice to each other and taking care of each other and celebrating together. And maybe another reason people keep tuning in is that they're not exactly tuning in, at least not all the time. I can be walking around the house folding clothes one minute, you know, doing the dishes, have the movie on in the background and not really be paying attention. And so to be able to have these movies on that you don't really have to follow along with if you've seen enough of them to kind of know what's going on, you 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 know the beats, you know what's going to happen and you know you're going to feel good. It's this really interesting thing that they've created. In recent years, Hallmark has ventured outside its familiar fare. There's been a movie centered around a same-sex couple and some with heavier subject matter. And while that trend will likely continue and bring in new audience members, Hallmark knows its brand and who it's mostly catering to. You don't want to rock the boat. Like Middle America, this is our crew. This is who we are making these movies for. And if other people watch it, that's great. There's definitely been a lot of pushback as Hallmark has tried to evolve and to move away from certain storylines towards some different storylines. But honestly, like ratings have been good. With the trajectory for Hallmark and others continuing upward, you have to wonder, will we look back in a few decades and see TV Christmas romances the same way that we now look at aluminum Christmas trees? a trend that came and went and will be forever associated with its time? Or will they endure? Are they the television equivalent of the explosion of popular Christmas music from the 1940s and 50s? I don't know if there's a, if there's a saturation point, but we certainly haven't hit it yet. My gut tells me that they're here to stay. And if they're right, we may be witnessing the birth of something like a modern tradition. Of course, this is the nature of Christmas, a celebration rooted in traditions of the past, but constantly reinventing itself with each passing generation. This is something that Andy in London has been thinking about recently, as she shares in this Christmas memory. So I'm originally from Lithuania, which is a small country in northeastern Europe, where Christmas Eve is really the main event. The Christmas Eve dinner table must have at least 12 dishes on it to represent the 12 months of the year, or the 12 apostles, depending on your interpretation. No meat or dairy products are allowed at Christmas Eve dinner, and not only that, you also have to fast all day in anticipation of the big feast. So every Christmas Eve morning, my whole family huddle together in the kitchen and start preparing the 12 dishes. Salads, fish, mushroom pastries, biscuits with poppy seed milk. Finally, once the sun has set, we get all dressed up and sit down to eat after wishing each other a happy and healthy year ahead. After dinner, we play charades and sing carols before going up to bed, unable to fall asleep in anticipation of Santa's arrival and presents the next morning, of course. On Christmas morning, we get up really early, light the fireplace, and get together around the Christmas tree with cups of hot cocoa, opening presents one by one in our PJs. 
We do this every single year without fail. We even did it exactly the same way last year over Zoom when my fiance and I were not able to go see my family for Christmas due to quarantine. I love knowing that whatever happens, some things stay constant, which I have always found to be a comforting thought. I'm now 27 years old and we now also have some new traditions that we have added to our traditional celebration. I've been living in London, England for eight years now and my fiance is British, so Christmas Eve now also includes mince pies and old English carols. And for the first time, this year my fiance and I are making our own Christmas fruitcake and bringing it all the way to Lithuania with us for Christmas. That's what I love the most about this magical holiday. While some things never change, there are so many ways to reinvent it and make it even more special. That vegan Christmas theme sounds like something that would fit right in with a lot of people's sensibilities nowadays. I guess those Lithuanian traditions are ahead of their time. Well, what about your Christmas traditions or your favorite Christmas memories? I'd love to share them with the rest of the Christmas Past family, and there's still time to do it this season. Just record a voice memo into your phone and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thanks so much to Alonzo Duraldi and Brandon Gray. I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies is available at fine booksellers everywhere, but let's be honest, you'll probably get it from Amazon, so check the show notes for a link. Thanks also to Andy in London, and as always, thank you for listening. This episode arrives on Thanksgiving Day, the official start of the Christmas season for most of us, so happy Thanksgiving. I hope it was everything you wanted it to be, and I hope your Christmas season is off to a wonderful start. Let's stay connected all throughout the season. Find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and join the private Christmas Past Facebook group. You can drop me a line anytime with a Christmas memory or just to say hi. Again, the email address is christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you're feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover this show? It's as easy as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card is my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details on that. I'll be back in just a few days with an all-new episode. Until then, may your days be merry and bright.